In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. There are many gifts we all need. And during this time of year at Lent in particular, we need particular wisdom to know how to use this time. You know, it's a time that comes around once a year. It's a very focused time spiritually. And we often lack the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience to make it count. So how do we make this count? What, what do we actually do? I suppose first and foremost, we need to try to figure out what the wisdom is we use to try to figure out our spiritual direction. Because on a daily basis, I, I look around and I, I know most of you very well, and I know that on a, on a daily basis you will use your wisdom, whether it's in your, your work, your profession, with friends, with family, day-to-day life, meeting people in the street, interacting with people. So what is, what is the source of that wisdom? It's anything from academic, intellectual, streetwise, or a combination of all of them. And that works to a greater extent. But what about our own spiritual being, the person within? I know it sounds really metaphysical, but it's true. We have certain parts to us as we are. There is the physical person, the person who's speaking to you now, as you see me, as you hear me, as you, inter- as you interact with me and react to me. But then there's the inner person of me you don't know. What I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, my, my spiritual relationship, my relationship with God, um, how I act in terms of times of um, need, stress, anger, fulfillment, peace, all of those things. That's the inner being, the personal, that's the spirit. When we speak about God creating us in his image and his likeness, of course we know God is not body. So he didn't create us in his image and likeness as in how we look. It's how we are internally, inwardly. And if we read the, the, the epistle of St. James, chapter 1, verse 5, we read, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. So the wisdom that we have has come from the image and likeness that we've been given. Because God would not want us to live in this world without wisdom. But how do I use this wisdom? Again, I will use it academically. I'll use it professionally. I'll use it socially. But what about in times like this? Lent, fasting, spiritual practices. Do I need wisdom? Do I make use of wisdom? Of course I do. But in what way? I need wisdom, first of all, to discern where I am now. Where I want to be. And what steps I need to get there. So where am I now? Many of us go into these fast periods, these preparation periods, and we realize that we don't know where we are. How can I create a program? How can I have a plan? How can I have a succession of things that I'm looking forward to, that I desire, 
if I don't know where I am, if I don't know my starting point. So as I go into this period, I really need to sit and assess where I am. Now, we've already missed the beginning, but the good news is there are 55 days. So you have ample time to catch up. But I'd, I'd suggest you do it really early on. Because if you don't know where you are at the start of this journey, it sometimes seems like a very senseless journey. It just doesn't make sense. Why am I fasting? And then it comes down to, there are too many fasts, the food's bad, um, I don't get energy from it, uh, it, it, it's difficult, I'm on the go all the time, and all the practical logistical things that we often see as an obstacle. Because of course, why do we see it as an obstacle? Because we're only looking at the practical logistical side of it. So if I'm here today and I'm resenting being here because I don't know where I'm going from here, I'm not going to be very excited about the journey. But if I suddenly realize, okay, where am I spiritually? Where am I? What am I lacking? And not only what am I lacking, but what do I have? Because often when we assess ourselves, we just assess ourselves on the failures, on the shortcomings. And unfortunately, we've been programmed to do that. In our, in our society, in our culture, in the world we live in. You know, we all sit in a context where we're judged on exams and assessments and, and, and interviews and impressions. And it's all about, okay, what were you lacking? It's not about the 60% you got, it's the 40% you didn't get. It's not about all the ticks you got in your job interview, it's what were you lacking. It's not about the things you get right when dealing with people, it's how did you treat me badly, when did you treat me in the wrong way. And that's the way we are assessed. And to be honest, it's where we assess each other. It's the way we deal with each other. It's part of our humanity. But that's not enough. And that's not what God wants. And that's not the way God deals with us. Because we know in Scripture that we're different. And we know that from some of us, we'll be expected 30-fold. From other 60, from other 100. So, let's assume I invest a pound today. So from some, expecting 30 times that. For others, I expect 60 times that. From others, it's 100. And that's the way God deals with us. It's not just what you lack, it's what you have and what you can give. Because as far as God is concerned, as long as you're fulfilling your potential, as long as you're being yourself, as long as you're being faithful, whether it's 30 or 60 or 100, it's absolutely fine. God's judgment is different to the world. Because God has a just judgment. He's got a faithful judgment. And so when I stand here at the beginning of this period of Lent, or indeed any period of assessment, so whether I'm assessing myself for Lent now, or I'm assessing myself on a daily basis through my journey, or I'm assessing myself before taking a serious decision, I'm assessing myself before my life changes, 
substantially in a certain direction, we all have these situations. I first thank God. So today I say, Lord, I thank you for who I am. I know I have my shortcomings, but before I come to those, before I deal with those, before I address those, before I admit them, first of all, I thank you for who I am. Because I don't just have shortcomings, I have good things in me as well. I have good things you've created in me. And then having said that, while I thank you, I also want to ask you something. You created me. You know me. You've made me. So even more than me, you know my faults. And I want to fix these. I don't want to condemn myself for them. I don't want to sabotage myself for them. I don't want to be living in constant denial or brokenness. But I want you, because you know me, to help me to fix them. Because that's just in your hands. And I know you can. I know you see me for who I am, good and bad, productive and destructive. And I want you to try to fix me. But Lord, before I do that, I also want to commit myself. I want to commit myself to you today. I want to commit myself to you this journey. I want to commit myself to you as long as it takes to get where I need to be. And again, that could be a lifelong thing, or it could be for this period, or indeed any period we're looking at. And so when I start with that, what does God come back to me with? He comes back to me with my vision of things. How do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? How do you want to see yourself? And then I come to a realization. Psalm 51.6 Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, you make known wisdom. You want the inner parts. Lord, I know that there's a lot to me. There's my outward. There's my visible life. There's my practical life. Then there's my inward parts, my thoughts, my heart, my desire. You want those. Because they're the things that drive me. Look at the most beautiful car outside. And it is only as effective as the engine within it. It's great to look at a beautiful car. But it doesn't perform without the engine. God wants that part of me that performs. The part that is strong, the part that is productive, the part that knows Him and desires Him. So, again, let's go back to this journey, this Lent, starting this week. Where am I? 
How do I assess that? I'm sure there are aspects to our lives. And all of us will have different aspects. And those aspects will have different ratios. So some of the aspects are um, in no particular order. Family, whether it's immediate family or extended family, friends, networks, community, career, studies, hobbies, talents. There are so many different parts to us. And all of those parts need to be at a certain level. And they all take energy. They all take effort. But they also all feed into me, personally. And that's why, you know, I've said this to you before, time and time again, we can't section off the spiritual life and put it over here and start to assess everything else. Because who I am at home, or at work, or with my friends, impacts who I am with God. Who I am with God impacts all of these things as well. It's a very porous makeup that I have. It all blends into each other and feeds into each other. And that's why the approach of let me fix one part of my life doesn't work. The approach can be let me start with one part of my life. Let me just start with one part of my life and I'll work on the others as well. But let me fix one part, let me focus on one part. That's why we're always dissatisfied. As you're growing up, you know, it's just this final exam I need to take. It's just this career path I need to be on. It's just this job I have to have. It's just this relationship I need. It's just this house, just this car, just this raise, just this promotion. And it all becomes just this one thing. And my life becomes a series of just this one thing. Which, which isn't the reality. It's not the reality. I can't portion myself off in that way. Of course, in my mind, I'll give priorities to different things at different times. I'll deal with different things differently. But I can't possibly just section my life off. So I stand here today and I need to assess all of those things. And as I said, for each and every one of us, those things are going to be different. So sometime this week, when you can, grab a piece of paper and a pen or a tablet or an iPad or your phone or something and make a list. Make a list of those parts of your life that need to be addressed and looked at. So what's the use of this list? What, what difference does it make? You know me. Some of you know me. You know that I was always very technical and technological and loved all the gadgets and that's great, it's fine. But you know, it serves a time and then it goes away. What I found myself doing, and some of you will have seen this, is I now own a journal. I own a journal. Now, I don't write my deepest, darkest secrets in it. And I don't write my daily dear diary entries. 
But I make a whole series of lists. What do I need to do today? What are my short-term lists? What's my long-term list? What's my list for this year? Believe it or not, I have a, a, a page that is entitled 2017. And it's a list. I have another page that is, what do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? We become so distracted so easily. And we lose track. It's very easy. When I'm juggling five or six balls, sometimes if one falls, I won't even notice. So if we make a list of those particular parts of our lives this week, and I think, okay, where am I in each one of these? And how do I use this period of Lent effectively to be where I need to be? And where I need to be sometimes is going to be your personal assessment. So I'm going to think, okay, I want to be here in my career, or here in my studies, or here in my relationship, or here in my hobbies. But sometimes it's also going to need someone by your side. Whether it's a mentor. More and more people now have life coaches. And they have work mentors. More and more people have personal trainers. More and more people have um, financial uh, advisors. We have lots of those kinds of people in our lives. And more and more people, I hope, have spiritual guides who can help us figure out where we need to be. Because this period of Lent is most certainly different. But why is it different? It's different because it needs to impact my life differently to the rest of the year. It's a great spiritual boot camp. It's what it is. It's a focus. And I was, I was at a, a retreat just last weekend, and I said, the reason we fast so much in the Coptic Church is we feast a lot. Every fast is actually a preparation period for a feast. So, Lent for Resurrection, Advent for Nativity, St. Mary's for St. Mary's Fast, the Apostles for the Apostles' Feast, and so on and so forth. Each period of fast is a period of preparation. It's a period of empowerment. It's a looking towards something. It's a desiring. And that's how we need to look at it. Lent in particular because it leads to the Feast of the Resurrection, is an especially powerful one. Because through it, we prepare ourselves day after day after day, so we get to the Feast that became the turning point of all humanity. It's what changed us. You know, as humanity, we changed twice. The first change was a bad one. Created in the image and likeness of God, Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden, enjoying everything except for the fruit of the one tree. They had it all. But that nature changed the minute they disobeyed. The minute we as humanity disobeyed and we fell. That was the first significant change. The second 
even more significant change is the one that restored us so that we no longer continued to live broken, that we no longer continued to live in need, that we were once again reunited and reconciled. And that's what this whole period is. This whole period is a preparation towards reconciliation. It's a preparation towards being reunited with God. Now, of course, as humanity, we were already reunited, but individually, we can make that our own personal journey. So, these weeks leading up to the Feast of the Resurrection can become my own personal journey to reunion and reconciliation. Now, I'm not for a minute thinking you're all not with God at the moment and you're all away from Him completely. No. But we've all got a level of sin. We've all got a level of distance from Him. We all have things to work towards. None of us is perfect. And none of us will ever be perfect. But we need to be as perfect as we can be. And this is that period. I also want to set something else straight. God doesn't want me to be beautiful to meet Him. He doesn't need that. And sometimes we don't want to meet Him if we're not beautiful because we think that's what He wants. Actually, for God, we're already beautiful. He made us beautiful. And even if we tarnish ourselves a little bit externally superficially we're still beautiful and he, he never turns away from us he'll never sort of say oh what have you done how did you do that no because his eyes look deeper into us than we can ever damage ourselves there you go it's a tweet for tomorrow his eyes look deeper into us than we could ever damage ourselves. The core is always beautiful. Our damage is superficial and peripheral. No matter how deep it goes, it's still peripheral. It doesn't touch the core. Because the the core is his image and his likeness. So what I want to set straight is that God is not waiting for me to be beautiful to go to Him. The reason I want to be beautiful and go to Him is because I want to honor what He's created. I want to be the best person I could possibly be. Not because God puts us through hoops, because He doesn't. If God put us through hoops, why the incarnation? Why come down to us? live our miserable life to reunite us? Why not set a whole process that we have to come to? No, sorry, you know, I'm God, you guys are the humans, you made a mistake, you know what, you come to me. And he could very easily have done that. And he could have made it doable. He could have made it achievable. But he didn't. He said, okay, just wait there. 
you know, I love you. Just wait there. I don't want to hurt yourself because you can't come to me. I'm going to come to you. Because no matter what you do, you're going to exhaust yourself, but you can't reach me. So I'm going to come to you to reunite you, to reconcile you. So that's why I want to be beautiful. Because I want to say, Lord, this is how you made me. I thank you for all of this. But now I need to see the things that I need to make better. Again, in these portions of my life, in every one of them. And I want to be better for myself to honor your creation. And this becomes our journey. It becomes about how I can prepare myself for the resurrection. It's interesting within, within our tradition, how we celebrate the resurrection. So we have this fast, and then we go into Holy Week, and we relive every, almost every minute of the journey of our Lord during Holy Week, all the way from the time he entered into Jerusalem, every step until he's, until he's, he's arrested, imprisoned, um, humiliated, marched through the streets carrying a cross, and then crucified. We live almost on a daily, on, on a minute-by-minute minute journey. And then you come to resurrection liturgy, the eve of the feast. And suddenly halfway through, the lights go out, church becomes completely dark, then you have chanting between the priest who is inside in the royal doors and the cantor who is outside estranged. And as we're there and they're conversing about Christ being risen and the doors and the gates being opened and our Lord entering and allowing us to enter with him, Suddenly, it reaches its crescendo, lights are on, hymnology, curtains opened, and we're introduced into the sanctuary again. We're meant to relive that moment of re-entry, of victorious reconciliation, of a joyful reunion. That's what this fast is about. It's about walking that journey until we get to that point. Don't be resentful of it. Don't be so narrow-minded about it. It's not trying, it's not us, the church, them, whoever, trying to make you suffer, trying to make us suffer. This is the way our church saw we should be preparing ourselves for that reunion. It's worked for millennia. Let's make it work for us as well. Let's take this journey, individually and collectively. Let's, let's prepare ourselves for it and do it joyfully. At the end of the day, food's food. You'll find the supplement. You'll find the replacement. It may not be exactly the same, but you know what? It's not supposed to be exactly the same. If we're just going to replace one with the other, we're not going to feel it. And again, it's not about killing the body. It's about knowing there's a difference. It's about going on a journey. You know what? When soldiers go out onto a battlefield, 
They don't take cooked roast dinners with them. They take army rations. Rations they can eat on the go, that are easy to prepare, easy to consume, that give them energy, because they're on the battlefield. When you're an athlete, and you're on your bike, pedaling, or running, you don't have a cooked meal. You grab an energy bar, you grab a bottle of water, and you keep running. There are different times for different kinds of sustenance. Whether you want to see yourself on the battlefield, or you want to see yourself in a triathlon, wherever you want to see yourself, this is just a different period during which we are trying to get ourselves to the end. It's a time when we live not only for today, but we live today for the end of the journey. That's how our lives are supposed to be. We've never ever been made just for today. That's never been us, ever. It's not how we were intended, not how we were designed. You know when you, when you buy something and you have a child with you and the child picks it up and starts to use it in a strange way, they're going to break it, hang on, no, 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 that's not what it's for. You're not using it wrong. That's not what we're for. We're not for today. Today is just a part of the equation. We are for eternity. And if you try to use today for today, without looking at eternity, you're missing a huge picture. Now, telescopes aren't meant to look at your wall. They're meant to look at the universe. You can point your telescope at your wall. It's going to be really lacking and sometimes pretty pointless. So this fast is not about today. This journey is not about today. Don't just look at the wall. Look out. Reach out. Have your eye on the life that is to come. And the life that is to come has come to us through the resurrection for which we are preparing along this journey which has started with this Lent. And that's our lives. It's not about today. It's about a journey that leads to a life. And glory be to God forever. Amen.